Hi, this is Dr. Rahi, and you're listening to The Treatment, your source for all things health, wellness, and beauty. If you like what you have heard in today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Dr. Jason Penzik. How are you? I'm good, Dr. Rocky. How are you today? Great. Thanks for being on my podcast. I'm so excited. Super excited excited here. We're going to talk about basically all that you practice, and um, you have a very interesting practice. I am super excited to talk about some uh, good medicine tonight. Yeah. So you have a practice in Chicago. You have multiple locations, correct? I do. I do. I just opened up uh, another location. Uh, I live north of Chicago. Um, I have two locations in the western suburbs. Uh, basically, I run a uh, longevity type practice, performance based. Um, doing IVs, we do hormones, we do some stem cells and exosomes. Uh, we do some ketamine therapy, as well as yeah. lots and lots of peptide therapy. Yeah. I think it's all very interesting and I, I do want to talk about it all, but I think today we're going to focus on the ketamine therapy and then um, provided you behave and I'll invite you back for another episode and we can talk about peptides. <laughs> okay. I like the warning. <laughs> ketamine therapy. How did you um, even get into ketamine therapy and what is, first of all, what is ketamine therapy? Yeah, that's a great idea. So what is ketamine? Uh, ketamine is an action anesthetic drug we've been using, oh my gosh, for decades now. Um, it, uh, it's obviously been out there for quite a long time. Uh, it's been used for putting people to sleep in the ORs uh, for years. We found some research that can help with depression, anxiety, some PTSD in the last uh, probably 15, 20 years, maybe a bit longer now. And ketamine has been a I guess, stable, uh, stable product, staple for most docs that are treating depression now uh, for the last you know, couple of years. We've been seeing a lot of ketamine IV clinics pop up. Yep. I'm sure if you live anywhere in the United States, you've seen like, a ketamine clinic pop up. And uh, as this is IV ketamine, it helps with pain as well as depression and all these other things off-label. Um, so right now we are seeing- When you say off-label- off-label, it means non-FDA approved. So ketamine has FDA approval for use in the operating room for correct. Um, procedure yeah, correct. for anesthetic so, so, purposes. Correct. correct. And it's got on-label use action. The last couple of years, they just came out with what's called a ketamine. Um, Spravato is the name of the new ketamine intranasal uh, device that we have. It's now on-label for uh, depression. So up until recently, it was only off-label use for depression, anxiety, and just recently now FDA approved it for uh, depression in uh, specific patients. And that's the intranasal form, or is that also intravenous? Right. Correct. There is an, the the Spravato uh, esketamine mm-hmm. uh, is actually uh, one form of ketamine. Um, so basically, uh, esketamine has some research showing it does not work as well as the IV form. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the mixture, the way it's made, uh, there is, the ketamine's been out for so long now, the patent's expired and they couldn't actually make a ketamine product intranasal. Um, so they had to take ketamine and then they had enantiomers of it. So basically, long story short, they couldn't take the traditional ketamine that they use in IV use, um, and make that into an actual nasal spray. 
So they basically made a drug similar to ketamine, looks just like ketamine, and uh, that's the nasal one. So the research shows Why it doesn't work that? nearly as well. Well, the patent on ketamine passed. Uh, the drug's been out for too long. So to make a new drug uh, and to make it in a new form, they wanted to make it intranasal to make it easy for patient use. So what they did is they found uh, a racemic mixture, basically. They found that ketamine has two parts to it, mirror images, basically antimers, um, chemically. And they took one side of it and said, hey, this part of ketamine can be patented. And the other side, the whole mixture by uh, together could not be a patent. So basically by separating out part of ketamine, they could allow for uh, a new patent on the drug. It okay. really doesn't matter to be the long short of it. It doesn't work as well as the IVs do or yeah. the injectables yeah. um, or is it even the traditional uh, intranasal you get from compounding pharmacies. I guess um, going back to ketamine therapy in terms of its use now for depression, PTSD, uh, what is it about ketamine that makes it so effective? And um, how was it, how did we start using it for depression and all these yeah. other um, psychiatric disorders? A great, great question. Um, years ago, they started using ketamine in um, Vietnam. When people in Vietnam, you know, a lot of soldiers there were getting injured. They used ketamine during surgery and people came back from uh, Vietnam War, they found that lower risks or lower rates of depression in patients that are, had been exposed to ketamine. In fact, they have a newer study that just came out um, that actually happened in, I want to say Afghanistan, if I'm correct, um, or Iraq, one of the two. Uh, yep, Iraq, actually. Iraq just came back. They had a study on Iraq, came back with soldiers. They had 25,000 uh, veterans treated with uh, ketamine for burns over the last five years. And they found lower rates of PTSD. Um, in these people, about half as many people had PTSD coming back. So they found this also in Vietnam, same kind of idea. They realized, hey, there's a lot of people coming back that use ketamine, they were prescribed it, they used it as general anesthetic, and they did really well. So they found this years ago. Unfortunately, after those studies were done and found that no one did anything with it, um, and it had a resurgence uh, probably you know, in the last 15, 20 years, we've been seeing more and more ketamine use. It's been used underground obviously used as a, as a drug. People call special K, they're going to the clubs, they're partying, they're taking this stuff. Um, you know, people say it's a horse tranquilizer. None of that's true. I mean, it is used in animals as well, uh, but it was first developed for human use. Uh, and then we found just some, you know, the, what we'd call side effects uh, becoming useful for psychiatric med. They had given to people and found out these people responded really well to it. So, Ketamine is considered psychedelic, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Ketamine is a psychedelic drug. Um, what it actually does is works on uh, the glutamate receptors in the brain. Um, it works on the NMDA glutamate receptor as an antagonist. Um, so basically what it does, um, it basically gets glutamate to uh, you know, come out and Glutamate works on all sorts of things as pain, anxiety, inflammation, stress, fear conditioning, depression, neurological disorders. Um, ketamine actually can grow new neurons as well, which is a pretty big deal. We've seen new neuronal growth with ketamine. Um, there was a bunch. And what does of, that mean uh, for 
you know, someone who's listening and they're interested in treating their depression or their PTSD or anxiety, what does that mean for them? Like new neuron formation? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the way this works is, um, not only is NMDA creating new neurons, but it's making new pathways. So NMDA is helping increase what's called BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. As BDNF increases, you're able to increase new neurons. Now, ketamine has a very, has, a, has about a, um, if you give a dose of ketamine to someone, there's about the next day you have a peak antidepressant effect. About 10 days later, the antidepressant effect is now gone. So of course, the way ketamine works is an antidepressant, it's gonna be something that just stay on long-term. Now, what we like about ketamine, and one of the things that uh, we do in my practice is a big deal, is we aid therapy with this. So when you give someone therapy to go along with the ketamine, what happens is when you're growing new receptors in the brain, you're growing new neurons, what's allowing for is new habit form, habit forming to occur. So what we're really looking for in the patient population that we work with is to help create new habits um, and new patterns in people that help move them away from their depression, PTSD, anxiety, of helping form these new pathways, which allows for an openness for the patient to be more receptive to the therapy sessions that are coming in. They can go in and start using that therapy to start changing behaviors and patterns they've had for years, um, allowing for these, these things to take course because the new neurons are allowing for an easier transition um, into healthier habits. Right, because sometimes depression or anxiety or even PTSD, you're sort of stuck in the same cycle um, of thought And so in order to get out of that, like forming these new neurons, you can like get out of that cycle. Correct. Correct. Um, There's also some evidence that there is some um, neuroimmunomodulation, meaning what we're doing is bringing down some inflammation in the brain as well um, that could be occurring. It could be some of the reasons why people have these, you know, uh, anxiety or depression going on with them. So ketamine has a a whole host of uh, great things that can happen. Um, you know, it's a relatively very relatively safe drug. Um, it is a psychedelic. It is one of the only psychedelics, if not really the only psychedelic that we could prescribe as practitioners. Um, what we can say about ketamine is there are a few times we want to be worried, right? There are a few patient types of populations that we don't want to give it to. Um, people with, for example, psychiatric disorders, if you have a psychiatric disorder or you're psychotic, uh, ketamine is going to put you in a place that's not great. Uh, if you but have a I mean, of when, you, when you say psychiatric disorder, can you be more specific? Because depression correct, is correct. a psychiatric yeah, disorder, anxiety. Correct. correct. So psychosis would be one of those things. If you have a history of psychosis in your family, um, you know, schizophrenia, that would be what we worry about because you can't actually uh, bring on psychosis from using ketamine. Uh, it is something to be wary of. It is, is rare, of course. Uh, but if that history is in the patient and they have a history of you know, hearing voices um, or, or seeing things, there is a likely chance that this could happen, uh, could get worse. Uh, so that's one of the psychiatric conditions that we worry about. Another one is borderline um, personality disorder. Those patients also contraindicated to not use the ketamine. Um, and then patients in mania. So you, know, you have your bipolar depressive and it's in the mania state right then it's probably not a great idea to use ketamine therapy um, other than that the only medical condition to be worried about is hypertension that's not being controlled um, and then people that have some kind of uncontrolled you know history of intracranial bleeding um, or aneurysms because the blood pressure can't potentially go up uh, during the session it is transient but it can occur so what's the you hear a lot about um people using ketamine socially 
-hmm. And that's obviously not going to bring about the same results. When you do ketamine as a therapeutic drug, you do it in a very controlled environment. And then you also have, have talk therapy afterwards. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, But when you do it in a social setting, which a lot of people seem to do, um, that's not going to provide the therapeutic relief. Correct. Correct. So there is, um, because ketamine is still growing, uh, new neurons, if someone is using ketamine, um, you know, pharmaceutical ketamine that they can get from, from some doctor that prescribes them, there is going to be some benefit still, no matter how they use it. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I would tell people listening that going down to your local drug dealer and going to the corner and getting some ketamine is not exactly pharmaceutical grade ketamine. It could be mixed with all sorts of things, which is what we worry about. Um, going to someone that is getting ketamine for you as a practitioner is really your best bet that can walk you through um, what it's like to do ketamine, you know, how the experience works. Uh, with the patients I work with in between sessions, we use oral ketamine. And the way that oral ketamine works is we kind of give you a, a flight plan, kind of what to expect as you're going into this um, psychedelic experience. Um, the goal is uh, when you're in clinic to have kind of an out-of-body experience. Uh, we believe that's actually part of the uh, healing process when it comes to depression, anxiety, PTSD. Part of that uh, idea is that you have to go through kind of this disassociation effect, which is exactly what ketamine is. It's a disassociative drug. And you have to disassociate your body where you don't really feel anything. You're just stuck in your own mind um, to get the full effects of ketamine. Now, imagine being dissociated and in public where you can't feel anything and you're just in your own mind, not the safest environment to be in. So we, we do, you know, warn. It is, it is pretty awful. Um, there have been lots of patients that I have heard uh, previously tell me, "Hey, you know, I've used ketamine before as a street drug. I've been in what's called, you know, we call this the the K hole, uh, which yeah. is where you're completely out of your mind. Right. And um, those people that get to that point, it's it's not a good experience. They have a really yep. poor experience with it." Yep. Uh, unfortunately, when you're not being dosed correctly, you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're it with, uh, it can be a little bit more dangerous. So I do tell people ketamine is an incredibly safe drug. When it's used in a clinical setting, it can be amazing. Um, clinical setting could also be you at home, you know, doing guided meditation, uh, journaling, writing down your thoughts. Uh, we do a lot of that with patients that can't come in, you know, uh, for treatments every, you know, in between treatments. It does help them work through stuff. Uh, so Again, ketamine has been used for quite a bit of time. I've had quite a bit of experience working with patients and, you know, doing at-home ketamine sessions with them. So some patients will, will work with the therapist, um, right, post-ketamine. Post some patients will be journaling afterwards in between the sessions with the therapist. Uh, we do see patients typically responding really well to treatments at least once or twice a week uh, on their own for a few months to work through the depression again. We're trying to form new habits with people and new new patterns so they can move through their old uh, ways of thinking and the ways that, you know, the way their pressure is taken hold. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where ketamine has been so far. Ketamine is great because it really helps um, kind of propel the changes in your brain that you need. That I feel like sometimes talk therapy can't do that. Sometimes talk therapy, I feel like, has its limits especially with, you know, treatment resistant depression. And then also when you're thinking about um, depression and then being on antidepressants as well, studies show that the best, most therapeutic 
approach to ketamine therapy is intravenous therapy by a specialized ketamine clinic that has the support of therapists available. And you shouldn't, you, when you do this, this therapy, it's, it's with any sort of psychedelic therapy that requires integration, you really have to have that available. And what integration Mm -hmm. means is that you basically talk through it right after, right? Yes. Talk or journal. But I think talking, talking through it is probably a little bit more helpful. Talking with a therapist is a little bit more helpful than just journaling on your own. Correct. Correct. No, I, so I mean, you, you great, great talk there that actually just add a little bit, you know, one of the things we talk about with psychedelics is set and setting, right? Anyone that's done any psychedelics before understands set and setting mindset and setting matter a lot. So if you come into a session and you are not prepared for that session, uh, your mind is elsewhere, you're angry, you're frustrated. You know, there are some things we tell patients, Hey, we'd like you not to use any drugs before you come in. We'd like to not drink for 24 hours. Uh, we'd like you to you know, be on your phone a little bit less. You need to clear that head a little bit before you come in because everything you come in with, you're going to be coming out of that session with and going into that session with. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, ketamine has a really big, big deal. We talked to about patients, you know, there's no driving afterwards. You know, when you use ketamine, because it's anesthetic, um, you are really out of it for several hours after you finish a ketamine session. Uh, we also tell patients, you know, before you come in and after you come out, please avoid stressful situations and experiences. Avoid overstimulation, which is like your phone constantly bothering you. You know, I like to tell my patients before you come in, you know, give me a few hours of no phone. Afterwards, please just don't use your phone for listen to music. That's fine. But, you know, just don't be on your phone uh, just staring at it like we normally would, you know, during our days. Um, allow the brain to kind of do its thing, create some new neurons and help you uh, kind of move yourself forward um, to create some better patterns for yourself. Uh, I mean, I love... I love ketamine, we use it a lot. Uh, I personally have used ketamine myself. I've seen some great results uh, with my own life changes. Um, I actually have to the side of me here, you're missing it, but I have a whiteboard next to me. I did my session with my therapist uh, months ago um, with my ketamine uh, integration and it was a pretty big game changer for me. So I, I tell patients all the time, I have seen what ketamine can do for you. Um, and uh, it's pretty amazing. So we have people come in all the time, work on depression, working on anxiety, um, you know, telling me, I can't believe that I didn't know this existed. Why did my regular doctor talk about this? Why is this being brought up regularly? Uh, right now, the really only way they can get to ketamine through most doctors is through this bravado, the esketamine nasal spray. And fortunately, it does not, like I said, work as well. Um, and finding the clinic that will actually do the integration with you and has therapist is the best. Now, again, there are some patients that are in rural locations. You can't get them to a therapist easily. Uh, so what you recommend is if you're in therapy with someone, that's at least best. And now, again, talk therapy we've discussed is not great. But if you have talk therapy and the therapist is going to work with you, and if you do a session with you close to around your time of ketamine, it's going to still bring you to a better spot. Now, maybe they are not trained in ketamine therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. We do look for ketamine-assisted psychotherapists. That's the gold standard in this scenario. Um, but at least if you have someone to speak to afterwards, it's some kind of therapy session um, that is going to be at least more helpful to you than just journaling. Again, journaling is better than nothing. Um, you know, and then we have some kind of talk therapist. Uh, and then, of course, Kevin's psychotherapy would be the best uh, thing to follow up with. 
what would a traditional ketamine session look like, an intravenous ketamine session? Um, so True. walk me yeah, through okay. from like beginning to end. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do. Uh, you know, so you're going to come in, you're going to, you're going to stop at the front desk from the city, have you set up. Uh, what we do is we set patients in a, in a room. Um, they're by themselves. There's a reclining chair in there. There's an IV pole. Um, we use ketamine IV. We also use the injectable, um, which is just an IM injection. The IV, you'd come in. Uh, the nurse would come in. They start the IV on you. There'd be a bag hanging. Um, you'd be, get a pre-flight checklist. So everything's going on. We just put the, the needle on you while just kind of getting everything prepared. Uh, once the needle is in you, once the IV is you know placed, uh, we're going to give you uh, basically a pair of um, like an eye mask that has holes in it, so you can have your eyes closed and kind of be not experiencing whatever's around you. Some clinics like to use a sound machine or have some kind of soft spa sounds going on. Some clinics like to give you a uh, headphones. We use headphones in my clinic, so you put some headphones on. Um, you listen to just some really relaxing music. Um, music is actually a big part of the ketamine uh, therapy session. Uh, while the rest of your body may not kind of feel like it's floating, you kind of feel like you're out of it as the session goes on, your mind is still able to connect to some of the sounds going on. So you can actually hear and recognize the sounds around you. You just can't really interact as well with them. You just have an idea of what's around you. So most patients will come in, we'll put them in the chair, we'll set them up, their IV will start. Someone will be sitting in the room with them the whole time, make sure there's nothing going to happen to them. Um, they put the mask on, they put the headphones on, then we start the IV. Um, we do, you know, tell the patients, just sit there and relax. All you need to do is just sit in this chair. Nothing's going to happen to you. Um, and then we just let the drip go. The drip takes about an hour or so, uh, hour, hour and a half. And when you finish the drip, uh, within 15 to 20 minutes, you're back to being completely where you were. Uh, you will still feel out of it. There is still this uh, uneasy feeling after you come out of ketamine. I tell patients it's like the truth serum moment, right? At that moment, pretty much anything you want to talk about that you, you know, are thinking about is going to come right out. Uh, so make sure whoever you're around those next few hours, uh, you want to share everything about your life at that point. Um, make sure you also are around people that are sharing their lives with you. Uh, we've had an experience with uh, a patient before that had experienced ketamine at a clinic and the sitter who was with them ended up talking to them about their own PTSD the entire session. And when they left, they came out worse than they did before they came in. Um, I've heard people who listen to um, Stephen King books when they go in. So they'll put on a Stephen King book and listening to something probably Why? not so great. Why I, does all I, of I, this happen? Like, that doesn't make because, any sense. Well, I, I can tell you because most doctors don't know. What a lot of doctors, I should say most. A lot of doctors uh, have not been trained in ketamine. They don't understand how it works. They think adding to the practice is a big moneymaker, which it can be um, when it's done right. But the uh, the problem is that, uh, you know, you want to tell the patients what to expect. And most of these doctors don't warn the patients or have it set up to say, hey, you need to be in a very peaceful setting. So the patient listening to Stephen King book had a terrible session. They were very frightened when they left. They had an awful situation. Anything going on around you, anything you listen to, you will pick up and just soak in like a sponge. Again, you're making new neural connections at that point. So everything just comes in very easily. Um, again, and this is when you're in that state of being able to share. So right after a ketamine session, it's a great time to talk to a therapist uh, because anything you have that's, that's come up during the session will just flow out of you or anything that's being asked of you. You know, when I did my ketamine session with my therapist, um, nothing during the actual session when I was, when I was 
taking the academy and I don't remember anything going on specifically, but all the questions being asked afterwards, you know, about the therapy that we've done beforehand, um, basically were, were, you know, um, more truthful and, and much deeper than before. So, you know, when you ask what a typical ketamine session looks like with IV, that's what it looks like. Now, when you talk about ketamine sessions with IV and immigration, the difference being you come into this, this session and you have a therapist first meet with you for an hour. They do a ketamine session. They do an integrative ketamine session before you get in. So they're already presetting the, the plan and the, uh, the setting for you. So they're, they're going through a, a session, working through, you know, whatever needs to be come up for, for, you know, for you personally. Then they do the ketamine. And then afterwards, the therapist comes back in again and then sits and talks to you about kind of the debriefing in that state of ketamine. Um, and when we talk about integration, the way integration works is, again, what we want for gold standard for everyone is you see a ketamine therapist and then you have a personal therapist outside of this that you're seeing for therapy. So we're going to pass you back to that therapist and say, hey, here's what's going on with the sessions here. Here's what you need to work with. You know, talk to us and we just share information with your regular therapist. So again, we want to see you move along uh, a healthy path to moving from your depression and anxiety um, forward. And that requires you know, a treatment team, of course, having the doctor, the nurse setting everything up, the therapist, and then your outside therapist as well. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, I know, I'm sorry. There's quite a bit, ketamine has a, there, um, there's a lot to, to say with ketamine. I mean, it's, um, it, it's a very safe drug and it's used very well. Uh, and I can tell you now there are patients that I, that I have that don't even get to do the therapy and they still come back to me and they're still doing significantly better on their own, journaling, meditating. But they should um, do the therapy. Don't you immediately agreed. do therapy agreed. right away afterwards? Agreed. We do in clinic, but unfortunately in practice, I have patients all around the country now. Yeah. So I do have patients that I can't physically get to. Uh, my therapist is, is not quite wanting to do um, telehealth therapy sessions with patients until she's seen them once in office, which makes it difficult for me. So I always try to get patients in with some therapist somewhere. It just, again, I have a, one of my patients is in rural Oklahoma and they have no access to ketamine therapy or ketamine therapists anywhere near them. They've done some research and there's the nearest place to them is hours and hours and hours away. They, there's no way they can get to someone. So we do the best we can. Again, this is a therapy that's, that's becoming more mainstream and we're just trying to find more ways to to get it out to the people who need it. How it, have you noticed, how has it changed the world of psychiatry? Um, because I feel like psychiatry, traditional psychiatry is, okay, patient has mental illness, let's put them on a pharmaceutical forever and let's keep them on that forever. And then you see the psychiatrist for 15 minutes during your follow-up and then they'll either adjust the medication or add another medication on and, that's basically traditional psychiatry. And yeah. that's yeah. me from experiencing it during med school rotations and also knowing how, you know, psychiatrists sort of work. Yes. Approach we all, their we patients. All, I think we all understand how that, how that works. It's like awful. It. It's so awful. It's the work. I mean, so bad. it is, it is. And unfortunately your, your psychiatrist <laughs> most time is not providing any therapy. They're just giving you the drugs to hopefully have you function. Right. So Again, what's kind of I mean, and those drugs never really help you function. There's always like multiple side effects, short term, and a lot of these antipsychotics have lots of long term side effects that are permanent. So, this how is, is ketamine? How is help ketamine helping change all this? Agreed. Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, one thing we have to see about ketamine is there is there is one adverse effect that's a pretty big one with ketamine. Um, it's it's basically a bladder issue that happens now. Uh, the research shows, you know, daily use of ketamine, uh, high doses of it is what causes ketamine bladder, which is at some point, if you take ketamine for such a long time at super high dosages, you will no longer be able to hold your bladder in uh, or your urine in. So you will be basically stuck with a catheter um, in your urethra to uh, make sure you don't pee yourself all the time. We're telling me daily, daily long-term use of ketamine. Is that infrequent use of ketamine during therapy? Is that daily? So, so no. So with with patients that we're seeing, that's not what we're we're doing patients. I'm just saying, you talked about uh, adverse effects long-term. I'm saying ketamine does have one big long-term. It's the only one ketamine has, but this is at doses beyond what you would be doing with a therapist or in a therapy session. Um, but when people say, isn't there, you know, aren't, is, is, they've, people have heard about this. They've just said, you know, they've read online. I heard I can lose my, you know, my bladder won't work anymore. And you just want to make sure you tell patients, hey, this is something seen in people that did high doses of it. Now, going back to your question, uh, yes, the way it's changing the, the landscape is that uh, more and more patients are asking, just, hey, I want to use ketamine. I don't think these drugs are working. So psychiatrists are kind of put in this awkward place where they don't know what to do. Uh, which is why esketamine uh, or Spirato came out to the market because the psychiatrists didn't really have an option um, to get ketamine to a lot of patients, especially, you know, a, your doctor that's, you know, part of a big practice, they're not offering IV ketamine. So their only option was to start offering some kind of intranasal form of ketamine um, that was on label. Again, also ketamine was an off-label drug, remember, for so long. So as a psychiatrist, you cannot be prescribing off-label drugs, you know, frequently, uh, without the FDA questioning you a little bit. So um, now that we've seen ketamine become on label for depression, it's being used a lot more. People are becoming a lot more inundated with ketamine. We're seeing more and more ketamine clinics pop up. Uh, what's starting to happen is more and more patients are wanting to use the resources available that can actually help treat and potentially get them out of depression and fix them. Whereas we understand, uh, you know, you and I are very well aware that once you put on a psych drug, ideas that you're on, you know, Lexapro, Prozac, um, SSRI for the rest of your life, right? That's, that's what we say. You know, we think that, Hey, we put you on this, keep seeing me every couple months for the rest of your life. And we'll just keep doing this drug. Exactly. And then those medications aren't benign and, you know, they have side effects. So of course, have you, do you think that, um, if a patient comes and does ketamine therapy, they're able to, one, are they able to wean off their antidepressants or two, are they able to prevent themselves from going on any antipsychotics or antidepressants in the future? Yeah, so I mean, antipsychotics would be one thing, right? Because there, there is no antipsychotic effect to ketamine. Um, so it wouldn't help the antipsychotic stuff, but it would help with depression. I just had a patient recently um, who was doing IV ketamine. He just stopped all of his, uh, his um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, and yep. he's now been off them for a few months. Uh, so that was that was a pretty big one. Um, I've had a patient right now who's working with ketamine and she's reducing her Valium levels, uh, which is the benzo. You know, obviously we see benzos have a major problem. This has become a major yep. uh, issue in the last couple of years. Uh, patients abusing uh, benzodiazepines. So trying to get patients yep. off that's these a, things. That's a huge thing. And um, a lot of people, are on Xanax, Valium, Ativan, like it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're finding that this is something that people can 
wean themselves off of. Oh yeah, the yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely seeing that. We're seeing the patients are coming off their their uh, their you know anti anxiety meds, and they're seeing you know holding the benefits. Um, another big one is marijuana use, right? A lot of people um, have been you know gotten addicted to marijuana because it's been such a anti anxiety medication uh, for so many people, and there have been a lot of patients that have you know, stopped needing to use their marijuana or stopped needing to use some of the, the or alcohol is another one I see being taken off. People don't need to drink as much because they've done ketamine and now they're, they're happier, right? They're not needing that, that, that fix, something to pull them out of reality, um, which again is what the benzo kind of class of drugs do. Um, and then of course, when they're happier, they're also taking less of their, their, their psych drugs, which is usually SSRIs um, or things like Wellbutrin or Fexor. So I, I have seen in practice patients coming off their psych meds and doing really well, again, because they're, you know, the whole point is just to fix the kind of issue. Some of these patients come in, they have PTSD, they have trauma. Once they've worked through that trauma, well, guess what? Now they're able to work through and have a happier life. So right. this PTSD and trauma that they were holding on to has now been let go. Once that's let go, now yeah. they can move forward and not be depressed and not have this anxiety holding on to them. So this is. So ketamine, it's fair to say that you use ketamine to help treat addictions. Yeah, definitely. There, there is some good research that we can use ketamine to help treat addictions. What about um, other do... types of addictions, not just um, drugs and alcohol, but what about food addiction or sex addiction? Does that can it help with that? Ketamine again, find the the what the crux of addiction is, why we're having it, what's going on, what the trauma, mm -hmm. what the PTSD was, what led to that. You work through that issue, and then yes, I mean, I can tell you, um, this past summer is when I had my big kind of breakthrough with ketamine. I used my therapist. Um, I had her come into a session with me. Uh, up to that point, I was probably smoking weed uh, almost every night. Uh, wow, I, I appreciate been... your honesty. It's rare to have see that. Yeah, so I, I was, I was, uh, you know, on myself using marijuana at night. Um, you know, for me it was like a glass of wine. Uh, I was also before this was more frequently still using lots of marijuana. Um, maybe not every night. They had kind of slowly gotten worse and worse. And after my first session with that therapist, I have not smoked weed in, my gosh, that's been April now. So it's been about, oh, sorry, I was August. Um, it's been about seven months or eight months for me now. Um, and wow. my, I've never really drank either, but alcohol, I could care less about alcohol. Um, so it's been a, for me, it's been a, a huge amount of changes. I get up at 5 a.m. now. Um, I work to repair relationships with friends and family. There have been a lot of changes I've personally seen. And because of this, right. um, I try to talk to my patients and say, really, you got to remember, it's not about the short term. I'm going to feel yeah. happy from this because that is how it works. But it's more about long term action, neural connections and forming new habits and new um, things in your life. So it's so important. I think that we're moving into the realm of the, the era of psychiatry where we're able to like do things that actually make long-term yeah. changes. I feel that um, psychiatry is a realm, psychiatry and neurology are a realm of medicine that we don't really know too much about. We're, we're sort of giving these yeah. medications that really just people get addicted to or get hooked on and they just lead to more side effects. And it's time for us to make changes in the brain that are like long lasting and can really help people move forward with their lives and, you know, let go of their addictions and let go of their traumas. And we all have the traumas. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 I heard something a while ago said, you know, we're going to have trauma from birth until death. 
it's always going to keep coming at us. Um, finding a way to manage it's the only way to move forward. I mean, we yeah. people have been using things like ayahuasca or magic mushrooms for for you know before any of us were around and talking about this stuff before sure. medicine you know acknowledged it. And yeah. you know, shaman were using these drugs back with you know the Indians on this this continent before us. Right. So there's a lot of research and a lot of information that shows psychedelics in general can be really helpful. And unfortunately, this is the only one we have available to us now. MDMA will be the next one to come out. Hopefully, yeah. in the next two years it'll be legalized. Um, but right now, this is kind of the best thing we have at our uh, as a resource for treatment right. stuff. And I think it's important to really emphasize that like doing it in a therapeutic setting is the most important because if you do it sort of recreationally, it's not really going to give you the benefits that you want. And you're kind of probably just messing things up because it could go like the good way or it could go the wrong way. You're right. You want to make sure you're right. No, you're correct. Totally correct. You can, I'm always right. I think you know that you, you are always right. Dr. Ahi, this is a true statement. (laughs) Um, very true. But yes, the, the idea of using ketamine in a session with a therapist, or at least having someone guided with you instead of you're not throwing yourself into a K-hole and kind of going yeah. completely out of it every time. We yeah. want you to work with someone. That's the goal. Our goal is to yeah. have you healthy and happy. Yep. I know in, in bigger cities, because I have an office in New York and LA and um, there's like a ton of ketamine clinics everywhere, but you're yeah. right in like the smaller towns or in different places. Um there's not necessarily the option. So, um, you know, there is the option of doing it orally, like the virtual, or, you know, if, if you really have something going on and you really need the help, you might want to travel and and spend some time in a place where, you know, there are experts that could probably help you. Cause then otherwise, if you're just going to stick to the traditional system, you might never get out of it. And you might just be stuck in this like black hole of pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, you put it very succinctly, Dr. Rahi. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what else do we need to know about ketamine therapy? Um, you know, I mean, I would love to give everyone one session of ketamine, but, uh, you know, again, like everyone said, in the people, world, if everyone can take some ketamine, I think that'd be really helpful. I mean, I think that right? um, there's, there's yeah. a lot of, I think we'd be a lot happier if ketamine started being used more regularly in people. Uh, I would love to see ketamine being used more frequently before they use antidepressants. Um, yep. I know right now it's a, it's a last late stage, no drug, uh, but it does have some really, really great data on it. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know why it's not being used more frequently in patients when it is a relatively safe drug. Well, because the medical community is very conservative and judgmental and it takes them a long time to really do things that are right for the patients. I don't think you're very conservative or judgmental. Well, because I'm very open-minded and I feel like I've had my own experiences, but, um, I think in general, when you speak about like the traditional medical Western medical community, they're very traditional. So it's going to take some time, but I'm excited that we're able to talk about this and I'm excited for people to listen and hopefully it'll prompt a lot of people to make changes and hopefully help themselves. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on today, Dr. Rahi. You've been absolutely phenomenal. Very grateful for you today. Thank you. It was nice chatting with you.